Just before we do that, I just want to bring a kind of preamble to, to communion. And it's a, a word I, I think that every one of us needs to hear uh, when it comes to our relationship with God and, and how we keep our love and passion for Him and His kingdom burning on the inside of us. Uh, this today, I, I, I really believe, is going to be a, a key. I, I want to talk about staying hungry. If you're taking notes, that's what this message is called, Staying Hungry. Just a short, short one this morning. Let me just pray. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. We, we thank you that you're here with us right now. You've got something to say. I thank you that you're stirring on the inside of people, that you're drawing things out, that you're wooing us. God, you don't want us to stay locked up, bound up, uh, tied up, but God, you want to free us. You want us to be free people, and that's, that's the thing that you're interested most of all. And so, God, away from religion, away from just stuff, God, we're here to hear from you and declare and celebrate your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, help me this morning to bring just a small part of that encouragement. Amen. Amen. Hey, so a couple of, uh, couple of years ago, I was introduced to uh, what is called intermittent fasting. I don't know if anyone's heard of that before. It was Mark McKenzie who, who got me onto this. Uh, basically, and it's kind of the simple form of it, uh, kind of the baby step version of intermittent fasting is where over a 24-hour period, you only eat during an eight-hour window, right? Is that, is that right? And then, and then the other part, 16 hours, you're supposed to fast. And it sounds like a whole lot, of, whole lot of pain, but half of that you're asleep. So it's not actually that bad. And I'd only actually ever done spiritual fasts before. And this really interested me uh, for the, the health benefits. And so I kind of looked into it uh, a little bit. And there's a whole lot of great benefits of fasting. Again, there's plenty of spiritual, issue, uh, improve, uh, spiritual benefits, but listen to this, increased brain activity. I need some of that. So uh, increased cellular reproduction from fasting, uh, reduced inflammation. There's a whole lot of cardiovascular benefits, weight loss. Uh, it decreases the risk of a whole lot of uh, different diseases. It can jumpstart your immune system. So amazing, actually, what the body does while it is in a fasted state. And, you know, fasting, a spiritual fast is this ancient practice that, that kind of God introduces in, in Scripture. It's no wonder that it does a whole lot of good, good for us. And so I started this. I gave this a go where I, I wouldn't eat anything till around 1 p.m. And then so no breakfast. And then my eating window took me right up to uh, eight hours, around eight 8 or, or 9 p.m. And I thought I would give this a go. Well, two years later, I'm still doing it. I haven't stopped. I kept, kept doing it apart from Saturdays where I switch it around and I eat for 16 hours and I fast for eight, like pancakes and, and it's all on. It's great. I love Saturdays uh, and I just, I just make the most of that. But, but um, yeah, this, this kind of fasting has now just become part of my lifestyle. And again, it's not for spiritual reasons, but it sure does help when I do a spiritual fast. But, but it, and it also helps with discipline and other, other areas of, uh, of my life. But there was one thing when I, when I got going with this, particularly the first few months of intermittent fasting that I really struggled with for a long, long time. And, and that was the feeling of being hungry. Does anyone you know, love being hungry? Any hangry people out there today? Like, like, I just really struggle with this, particularly in the mornings, because 
I used to be a morning eater. I love breakfasts and uh, morning tea, bring it on. That was kind of my kind of style. Most of my food consumption would take place between the hours of 8 and 11 a.m. And so to kind of stop doing that altogether was, was quite difficult. It took a long, long time to get used to not, not eating till lunchtime. I'm going somewhere with this. And, and now, now after a couple of years, I've realized, you know what? It's actually not that hard. It's, it's, not, it's not, that, not, not that difficult to not eat for a little while. Obviously, if you stop eating for an indefinite length of time, it's really bad. But, but uh, after a couple of years now, I'm, I'm actually doing okay with this. And I was just thinking about it. Now, this is no incredible feat, guys. I'm just skipping breakfast, right? So, but, but I was thinking about how it is that I'm no longer struggling with not eating in the mornings because it's not because I'm no longer hungry. I am. The hunger pangs haven't gone away. I, I still am hungry every single morning. In fact, right now, I am still hungry. I am experiencing hunger right this, right this minute. But the, the only reason I've been able to keep this up successfully is that I've gotten used to the feeling of hunger. I've kind of made friends with, with hunger. And it's, I just realized, hey, this is not going to kill me. You know, I'm just, we're talking about a few hours here. I'm going to make it. It's going to be okay. I can, I can, get, I can get through this. And, and it just got me thinking, spiritual, spiritually speaking, staying hungry, uh, being okay with, with hunger and maintaining that hunger spiritually is possibly one of the most important things we can do as a Christ follower. That hunger that we have for God. And our ability to avoid satisfying that hunger with other things is such a massive key uh, in our lives. Jesus said this in Luke 6. It's on the screen. Uh, just make sure I got that passage right. Luke 6, 21. He said, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. There's another passage. Uh, I think it's in, the, in Matthew. It says, Blessed are you who hunger now for righteousness? So it's not talking about hungering for pancakes. It's a spiritual hunger that the Gospels are talking about. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be filled, you will be satisfied. Other versions say, happy is the person who hungers and thirsts for, for righteousness. Another version says, blissful is the person who will hunger and thirst. And you know what? As I have observed my own life and my own faith, and you know, sometimes the ups and downs of our, our, our walk with God, how many know that His connection to us is perfect? Absolutely. Our connection, relationship with Him sometimes can have its ups and downs, right? Thank God for His grace that His, His side is perfect. And so that's how we have that that incredible grace-filled relationship. But, but I, I've observed my own life and I've observed the, the faith of, of other people. And, and as I've taken stock at times, as we all should do, of, of where I am at with God, how's my, my kind of side of the equation doing? Spiritual hunger seems to be the measuring gauge that I'm, that I'm taking, taking a look at. Am I, am I still hungry? If I'm feeling kind of a little flat when it comes to my pursuit of God, it's usually because my spiritual hunger levels are down. They're kind of, they're kind of, they're, they're low. Am, am I still hungering, first of all, for Him before anything else? 
before any other pursuit, before any other interest? Is pleasing him at the top of my prior- priorities? Or ha- has there been a few distractions that kind of creep in, right? Anyone been distracted by stuff? Hello. Uh, that kind of creeps in and takes our focus. Have I started to feed even on other things that can actually take my hunger for God away? And the answer to that, as I've done that, is yes. Yes, there has been. Yes, there is. Where's what are you going to do about it? And I, I've just been reminded of the Psalms, which, uh, which records the attitude of hungry people that, that David, as he writes these, these incredibly passionate words, not on the screen, but Psalm 63, one of my favorites. When I was 15, I wrote a song on Psalm 63. I'm not going to sing it to you. Uh, it, it's just private, all right? It says, um, Psalm 63, verse 1, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. What an amazing line. Your love is better than his love is better than life. That is, I love that line there. My lips will glorify you and I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of food. There are the words of a passionate, hunger, hunger, hunger-filled man. And some may say that, you know what, spiritual nirvana, if there was such a thing, is where you get to the point where you just desire nothing, right? You just kind of float. You kind of, you fall. You're just, you're just completely satisfied. But listen, the Bible implies, and certainly Jesus said it, that if you want spiritual nirvana, that you've got to stay hungry. Yeah. You are going to have to stay hungry. Don't, don't be satisfied with anything else, but hunger after him. That is the way that we're, we're to find, we're to go from glory to glory and fall deeper in love with Christ. Maintain your hunger. Don't lose your hunger for God and his kingdom. Blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts. And, and here's the kind of the strange thing about spiritual hunger. is that in the natural, if you want to stay hungry, then you don't eat, Right? You want to you be hungry? Well, the longer you abstain from eating, the hungrier you are going to get. But in the kingdom of God, listen, you stay hungry by eating. You actually, you actually, your hunger is cultivated when you eat of him. And we're going to do kind of, we've been doing that this morning. We're going to do that around the communion table in just a second. But in the kingdom of God, you stay hungry by eating. It's kind of like the more principle, you know, not, not Kathy and Elmore, but, you know, the Moorish kinds of food, like, like scorched almonds. You can't just have one. It's just, oh man, this has got my taste buds going. I've got to have another one. God's like that, right? He's, but he's not simple sugars. But anyway, uh, uh, the, the more of God you eat, the more, the more sitting around the table of his presence that you, the, the, the more abiding that you do, the more you want to stay at that table eating and drinking of God. Amen? The less that you do of that, you begin to feed off other things. And that hunger seems to be quenched. But when we stay at his table, the hunger begins to build in us. When we get in his, in his presence, the more, the more you realize 
the more you spend time with him, the more you realize that nothing else will truly satisfy. And the closer to him you get, the more of him you realize that you really need. Isn't it the way? Like he's the person whom you never realized you ever needed until you met him. And then you wondered how you ever did without him. And he blesses, it says, the hungry. He's drawn, he's attracted to, the, to hungry people in the kingdom of God. Blessed people eat to stay hungry and pursue him. But just like in the natural, there's no, no, uh, there's no alternative, no great alternative, no sub, substitute for, for right nutrition. There's no substitute really for feeding on God, for getting in his presence, for, for feeding on him. I love this quote. It's on the screen uh, from the uh, philosopher and mathematician Pascal, uh, Blaise Pascal. He said this, what else? I love this. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim? But there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, though none can help. Since this infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. Come on. We try and fill that, you know, that God-shaped hole with all sorts of things. And yet, it can only truly be filled. It can only truly find that satisfaction, that fulfillment from Christ alone. We stay hungry by feeding on the word. And I don't just mean the word of God, which is true. And yes, we do. But the word personified, Jesus, by abiding in him, we feed on his word, on the word, the living word and not the world. We feed on him. It's so easy to slip away from this table. And I've found at times myself doing that and just needing this reminder tends to happen as we, we often look to the world to feed us to get some kind of satisfaction for for things, ironically, that we already have in Christ. It's it's just, it fascinates me while we do that, that we look to other places for significance when when we are already significant in Christ. We we look for identity and acceptance and love and uh, and then realize again, wait a second, I'm already loved just about as much as I could be. I am already accepted and it's a wonderful thing and I don't need to go looking anywhere else for love, for acceptance, for significance, for my identity. I already have it in Christ. Someone high five me. (laughs) (laughs) But when we feed on the counterfeit, which is the world, it has a way of quenching that hunger for that which we really need. And we become hooked on kind of like this quick fix, like a sugar addiction. I just need something, you know, a quick fix to to feel happy again, to feel loved again, to feel accepted. It's that instant gratification. We we are in this, this, uh, you know, this society at the moment, it's just all about instant gratification. Get what you want want now. And, 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 and we lose our desire to eat from the source of life and our hunger for God tends to, to wane. I read this, this the other day from Pastor John Piper on the screens. This is uh, challenging. He says, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God 
It is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world and your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. Wow. I'm going to just read that out again for repetition, for emphasis. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you've drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's probably because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world and your soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. Someone once said a satisfied saint is sicker than a hungry heathen. A lack of hunger is a sure sign of spiritual sickness. And I don't mean to kind of come down hard on that, but you know, it's true. It's true. A lack of hunger for God is a sure sign for spiritual sickness. Uh, A.W. Tozer said, complacency is the deadly foe of spiritual growth. And it, you know what? I, I, I find that it's, that it's that apathy, it's that complacency that creeps in when I stop finding myself hungry for God and His purposes. The biggest mistake is trying to satisfy spiritual hunger with physical things. Such a trap. We feed our soul on things that satisfy the flesh. It's like a diet for spiritual malnutrition. And it's what we do all the time. And we just got to stop it. Turn to the person next to you. Just tell them, stop it. Stop doing that. Stop it. Please. But we do, we live in an age where happiness is promised to those who, I don't know, buy material things, you know, own this type of phone or buy this kind of sneaker or shoes, then you'll be a more happy person, a more blessed person, you know, if you'll feel better about yourself. Do you, do you know what? For, for many people, the spiritual is being absorbed by the material. It seems such a, a strange parallel, but it's true. There's, there's so many people discount the spiritual realm, but they've got to fill something, and so they, they run after the material. For many, for many people, you know, our spirit's cry for connection is often drowned out or misplaced in other things. Everyone, uh, the, the Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. Every single person is on a spiritual journey, whether you realize it or not. And we, are, we have misplaced or we are misappropriating that. We are, we are dulling down the spirit man in us and, 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 and finding or trying to find fulfillment in, in material things when we will not acknowledge the spirit. And, and so we have this God-shaped hole. Someone once said, trying to fill that God-sized hole in our hearts with other things other than God is, trying, is like trying to fill the Grand Canyon with marbles. It's just never going to work and try as we might. It just, it just doesn't work. But listen, God responds to hearts that are hungry. May we be hungry people for, for the right things. May we hunger and thirst for righteousness, His, his righteousness, not, not your own righteousness, because that's, that's never going to work, but His righteousness, His perfect record, what, he, what he, He's done, His performance. We don't have to try hard. He, he's done it for us. We just have to hunger after him. And he responds, blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. You shall be filled. A hungry heart will always find a responsive God. 
If you're hungry, you'll always find God responding. You shall be filled, it says. It's a promise there. If you're hungry, you shall be filled. You're not going to stay in a place. But remember, when you start eating of Christ, it creates a greater hunger, more hunger. And we keep eating. God loves meeting the hearts of the hungry so much that he describes them as blessed people, happy people, bliss, blissful people. That's awesome. As I said, I'm preaching to myself this morning. And I've just found it in the, in the last few months, in, in the season right now, where I have intentionally made some decisions, uh, particularly around the area of worship. I'm a, I love to listen to podcasts and people talking. And I just found, I just found my hunger was waning and I needed to get back to, to worship. Yeah. And so I've listened to more worship in the last two or three months than ever before, we steal the church's little uh, speakers and take them home and play it. Sorry about that, but I make sure they're charged up before we get here. But we just we just want to be in his. I want to be in his presence and 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 feeding from him. There's nothing. There's nothing like it. I pray that uh, this is encouraging and challenging to you this morning. We're going to have communion. In fact, why don't uh, guys, you, Mark and Nikita, if you could please come. What we're going to do in just a moment, we're going to lift up the frilly things. And just during this song, I'm going to invite you to come. I just want to read in closing from Isaiah 55, another one of my favorite passages. It starts by saying, Ho, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Listen, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Jesus We thank you, not just that you said it, but you are. You said that you are the bread of life. You are the bread that truly satisfies. And we thank you for your body. The body which was broken for us. And your blood which was spilt for us. And symbolically, we come around this communion table, this table of fellowship, this table of grace, this table of redemption, this table representing a new covenant of love and mercy. And we partake of you again. And the invitation is, for us as we leave this place to continue to eat of Christ, to continue to hunger and thirst for Him. But God, we are here right now. And I pray as we do this, if there are any areas in our lives, there are parts of us, if there are all of us, God, we're that hunger, the hunger pangs for your presence, and 
for your kingdom, for what stirs your heart, God, for what you're doing on the earth today and what you want us to get involved with. If, if that stopped being the priority of our lives as we are out of this place and on mission, then God, this morning, as we come and partake of your body and of your blood, would you do work in us? Would you lead us to repentance? Would you cause us to change the way we think? Change the way we believe and therefore change the way we act and behave. Come and transform us from the inside again and continue to do your great work in us as we hunger and thirst for you. We thank you for the bread, your body, which was broken. The cup, your blood, which was spilt for the remission of our sins. Thank you that you are a Moorish God. The more of you we have, the more of you we want. The more of you we get, the more we realize we just can't do without you. The more of you we taste and see that you're good, the more we want to keep on eating and staying and fellowshipping around that table of your presence.